Welcome to the C3 Church Watson Podcast. Our vision is to connect you to Jesus, develop you as a follower of Christ, and empower you to build the church. We hope you are blessed by this week's message. Amen. You can have a seat. So, so good to see you today. Yeah, great. Isn't it great to be at church this morning? Why don't you thank this, the band? They've done an amazing, fabulous job. Thank you, guys. And happy Easter. Happy Easter this morning. Who had chocolate for breakfast? Look, there are some. Some people put their hands up. I have not had chocolate today. It will happen, though, I promise. And welcome to our people that are with us online. Let's give them a big hand. It's great to have you with us this morning. We are so glad that you are are here. Not we're, but here. Today, I think I'm going to just move this, because you know what will happen if I don't. It could all end in tears. Today is a special day. Today is a day of celebration and... uh, Wow, on Friday we remembered and we thanked Jesus for the price he paid when he died on the cross, that horrible, gruesome, painful death because of his love for us, because of his love for you, his love for me. Today we celebrate. Today we delight. Today we cheer in the fact that not only did Jesus die, he rose again. He beat death. He defeated darkness, and he's alive, and that changes everything. He beat death, he conquered death. Now, if you've ever experienced, and some of you here will have, if you've ever experienced the heartbreak and the the sadness of having someone close to you pass away, when you get to my age, you experience that. Or, gosh, the times we're living in right now. (laughs) Last year and even now, people are experiencing that every day. If you have, you will understand how Jesus' followers were feeling on Good Friday and even on Easter Sunday. They were feeling it then. They They were feeling it in the days following Jesus' death because... None of them expected him to rise from the dead. You read read the accounts of the Gospels, they did not expect it. If you asked them, they would have said, he's gone. We're not going to see him again. They did not expect to find the tomb empty. None of them on Sunday thought, well, how exciting, here it comes. This is what we've been waiting for. Not one of them. And from where we stand, on this side of Easter, it's easy for us to look back and say, it looked hopeless on Friday, but guess what? Sunday's coming. It's easy for us to say that. That'll preach. That's what the preachers say, that'll preach. But you know, that was not their perspective. They were confused, they were ashamed, they were disappointed, they were hopeless and they were lost. That's, that's where they were. And it was hard for them to believe and the Gospels show um, 
the disciples cringing in locked rooms, terrified that the same thing that had happened to Jesus might happen to them. They weren't full of faith to see his resurrection. They were full of fear for their future. That's how they felt. Even the empty tomb, if you read the Gospel of Mark, even the empty tomb wasn't enough for some of them. They didn't even believe the wild report the women brought back from the empty tomb. They called it nonsense. The empty tomb just meant, well, he could have been taken. It didn't necessarily mean he was risen. And so what did Jesus do for his followers? What did he do? Well, I'll tell you what he did. He showed up. Admittedly, he admonished them. And he said, hey, hey guys, remember I told you. Remember I told you this was going to happen. But he showed up all the same. And after he rose, the dead, rose from the dead, he showed up in intimate personal encounters over the next six weeks. He went to them and he showed himself to them. He didn't show up with angels singing glory to God in the highest, like when he was born. He didn't show up with, with kings bringing gifts from far lands, like he did when he was born. But I'm, look, he conquered death, right? He was the victor. He had won. I mean, look at the football players. When they get a goal, the shirts come up, the chest pumps. Look at the athletes when they win a race. Look at the teams. Look at the spectators when their team wins. They're so excited. We're talking about the conquering king here. He could have shown up a lot you know, and made, it could have been trumpets. What he achieved was, it was absolutely more significant. But you know what he did? He showed up in the ordinary, everyday life circumstances of his followers. He showed up at a private dinner. He showed up with, when two men were walking along a road. He showed up to, and, and showed himself to a woman who was weeping in a garden. And he showed up for some fishermen who were working a lake. Because he is not the God who announces himself with trumpets blaring. He is the God who enters our ordinary. John says that he moved into our neighborhood. He is the God who sees every single person individually. And he finds us exactly where we are and he shows us what we need to see. So where do you find yourself today? Jesus wants to show up in your ordinary and give you what it is you need. I'm convinced of it. So we're going to look at, at two of these ordinary moments because that's what they were. They were ordinary moments in the life of his followers who were afraid and who felt lost, and who felt visionless, and who thought, what, what's happening? 
He showed up in, in these everyday circumstances and he showed himself to them. You know, the first one is a guy that you may or may not have heard of. He's one of the disciples and his name was Thomas. And he gets a bad rap from people. Now, some people like to label him and they, they've labelled him doubting Thomas. I don't like labels. I think they're dangerous. And it's true, it's true that Thomas did doubt. But there was quite a bit more to Thomas than the fact that he wasn't convinced about something that he hadn't himself personally seen. There was a lot more to him. And hey, if you're feeling, <laughs> if you're feeling doubtful about something you didn't personally see, you'll understand how Thomas felt. Have you ever felt, some, has someone ever come up to you and said, well, this is what happened, and you've gone, hmm, hmm, I'm not sure about that. Has anyone ever had that? Yeah. Have you ever wanted proof? Well, so you, you're going to know how Thomas, Thomas felt. Have you ever found yourself disappointed and thought, well, I'm not letting that happen again? You fooled me once, but... I'm not going to let you fool me twice. Some of you are sitting here today in that exact situation. You're thinking, if you want me to believe what you say, show me the proof. Show me the money. Your words simply are not enough. See, Thomas was logical and he was practical. And it didn't make, if, if it didn't make sense to him, he wasn't afraid to speak up. And he said some things to Jesus that no one else was afraid, uh, no one else was brave enough to own up to. One time in the Gospel of John, Jesus was explaining what was going to happen to him and he said to his disciples, you know where I'm going. And no one said a word except Thomas. And he said, well, he said what they were all thinking. Well, actually, Jesus, we don't know. What you're saying makes no sense to us right now. Thomas was logical, he was practical, he was loyal. He was loyal to the end. At one point he piped up and he said to his disciples, the disciples around him, let's go and die with Jesus. You'll find that in John 11. So after Jesus' death, in John 20, Jesus showed up. And it says this in verse 19. That Sunday evening, the disciples were meeting behind locked doors because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders. Suddenly, Jesus was standing there among him. Peace be with you, he said. As he spoke, he showed them the wounds in his hands and his side, and they were filled with joy when, he, when they saw the Lord, and Thomas wasn't there. And, and Jesus, he, he only heard about it secondhand. Jesus came. He didn't see it. He came back. Verse 25, they told him, we've seen the Lord. But he replied, I won't believe it unless I see the nail wounds in his hands, put my fingers into them and place my hand into the wound in his side. Sounds to me like something someone would say if they've been once bitten, twice shy. If that's never happened to you, you might read that verse and judge Thomas for his unbelief because he did doubt. But if you've ever been so sure about something, sure enough that you would give your heart 
and your life and you're all for it and have it seem like it's disappeared and it's, it's left you with some mistrust and some fear of being disappointed again, you'll look at Thomas and you'll, see compa- you'll have compassion for him. You might even be here today and you're thinking, I hear you, Thomas. Before I jump in again, even though what I'm hearing, it goes against every logical bone in my body. I'm willing to believe again, but I just need to be able to see it. Do you want to know what, how Jesus dealt with Thomas? Like, he, he wasn't actually there when, when he came to Thomas. He didn't cross him off the list. He didn't say, Thomas, you don't believe, so therefore you're out. He didn't tell him he was disappointed in him. He didn't get annoyed with him. What did he do? He gave Thomas exactly what he needed. That's what the Bible said. He extended his hands and he showed Thomas what he needed to see. John 20 verse 27. Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here and look at my hands. Put your hands into the wound in my side. Don't be faithless any longer. Believe. And when Thomas saw Jesus, the Bible says he fell down and he exclaimed, my Lord and my God. He was blown away. He was overwhelmed. He, he was overjoyed. Jesus gave Thomas exactly what he needed. But you know, he didn't leave Thomas in his unbelief or his mistrust or his doubt. Just like he doesn't want us to live in unbelief, mistrust, or doubt. Jesus said, Thomas, here it is. I want you now to believe. There is a better way of living for you. That's the way of living Jesus calls us to. To believe, to have faith, to see the fact that impossible is never impossible with God. Whatever situation you're facing, impossible is never impossible with God. To see that Jesus did, in fact, conquer death. To see the truth that he was indeed alive. Ephesians 3.20 says, Never doubt God's mighty power to work in you to accomplish all this. He will achieve indefinitely more than your greatest request, your most unbelievable dream, and exceed your wildest imagination. He will outdo them all for his miraculous power constantly energizes you. So that's Thomas. I want to look at Peter now because I really like Peter. Does anyone else really like Peter? He's a good dude. If there was, any, if there was ever a disciple that showed us his humanity, it's Peter. So after the resurrection, Peter was in a little bit of a funk, really. He really was. I mean, he had messed up big time. He had big noted himself. I don't know if you've ever done that. If you've ever opened your mouth and said, well, this is what he said. He said, if everyone else deserts you, 
I will never desert you, Jesus. That's what he said. You could say he bragged. You could say he thought he was pretty darn good. And then what he bragged he would never do, he did. He deserted Jesus. He denied him. He ran away. And he failed. Have you ever done what you said you'd never do? Have you ever said as a parent, I am not going to parent like that and then found yourself doing it? Some of you are laughing, so yes, you have. Have you ever betrayed someone that you said you'd never betray? Have you ever turned your back on Jesus like Peter did? And it's a really horrible feeling. It's a really uncomfortable feeling to have said, this is what I'm going to do. And then know that you haven't, put, you haven't followed through. And some people try to, to drown it out by filling themselves with things from the outside of themselves to try and dull the pain of what's happening inside themselves because they know that they've done what they said they wouldn't do. Maybe with alcohol, maybe with fame, maybe with what, whatever it is that floats your boat. What did Peter do? Peter did something that I find really interesting. He went back to where it all began. Wouldn't, wouldn't you agree today that life is really just a series of moments? Many different moments. Some moments in life are amazing and incredible and wonderful. And then some moments are, we would call not so wonderful and horrible. And then there's shadows of in between, yeah? You're all very quiet, but that's true, right? When Jesus called Peter three years previous, it was an amazing moment in his life. Now, I call these moments signposts. Just for me personally, they're signposts. They're moments that defined me. They're moments that I can hang my life on, my decisions on. Moments that I know have changed me forever. And when Peter first met Jesus, it was one of those life-changing signpost moments where Jesus performed this incredible, incredible miracle that involved Peter and, and who, who was with him that day catching this amazing amount of fish. It was a miracle. And then Peter left fishing and he began to follow Christ. And his life was never the same again because when we follow Christ, he changes our life and then it's never the same again. And after the resurrection, Peter had said, I'm never going to betray you. And then he did in front of a, a group of people. He denied that he knew Jesus. And so... Peter decided to go back to the water, to go back to the place where it all began, to go back to the place where he first met Jesus. And you know, when things get tough or rough in, in my life, I've been known to go back to these signposts myself, to these life-defining moments to remind myself of what God's done. Do you need to remind yourself of what God's done today? 
to remind myself of what's important. And I believe that's what Peter was doing. Some people hassle him for going fishing, and I think, no, you go for it, buddy. You go for it. Because maybe he was hoping that on the sea, where he first really knew and understood Jesus, he would somehow find him again. Because he'd lost him. And he was confused. And, and so Peter was in the boat on the lake. And he's, he fished all night. Same thing, that's what fishermen do, fish all night. And once again, the sea was not giving him any fish. In, in um, John 21, it says this, At dawn, Jesus was standing on the beach. Here he is, he shows up. But the disciples couldn't see who he was. He called out, fellows, have you caught any fish? No, they replied. Then he said, throw your net on the right side of the boat. The right side of the boat. The other right. And you'll get some. So they did. And they couldn't haul in the net because there were so many fish in it. So Peter's working hard and he's, he's pulling in this amazing catch. And John thinks, hold on a minute, I recognise that voice. And he recognises it's Jesus. It's Jesus on the shore. And he yells over to Peter, Peter, it's the Lord. And Peter looks at the shore. And Jesus has come. Now, this is not just Jesus the teacher. This is Jesus the death defier. This is Jesus the king. This is Jesus the victor over darkness. Jesus the God of heaven and earth was on the shore. So what does Peter do? Well, he can't wait. He dives into the water. He can't get to the shore fast enough. And, and he swims to the shore and he's wet and he's shivering and he's face to face with the one who he betrayed. How does that feel, right? <laughs> Peter had failed. Peter had walked away. But you don't know what Jesus did? Jesus went and searched him out. Because God does that, you know. God searches you out. He calls you back, no matter how badly you failed. Come up, guys. Thomas was disappointed with things in his life. And he said, well, I'm not going to believe until you show me. And then Jesus came up and he showed him. And he wants to do that for every single person in this room. If you have not seen him, he wants you to see him. Peter walked away and ran away and he failed God. But Jesus went in search of him because he goes in search of every single person because he loves them. On the shore that day, God was offering breakfast to him. He was offering him a fresh start. He was saying to Peter, put down your failure. Put away your regret. Come back and try again. He offers the same to us every morning. He's new every morning. 
He shows up into our life every day and He shows up into our everyday life. On Good Friday, it did look like it was the end, but at Easter Sunday, do you know what we realise? We realise that it's actually just the starting point. It's not the end, it's the beginning of a whole new with Jesus. to Thomas or Peter to either of their stories but I do know that Jesus wants to show up in your world he wants to show up in your everyday and if you've never made a decision to follow Jesus or if you if you need to recommit your life to him today then I'm going to pray a prayer in a moment and I'd love for you to join me. Join us. We're going to pray it out loud together and I'd love for you to join us in that prayer. It's a personal prayer between you and God. But we invite you to pray with us. Especially if you would like to commit your life to Christ for the first time or recommit your life to Him. Let's pray that prayer. Dear God, thank you for sending Jesus Thank you, Jesus, for dying for my sin. I ask you to come into my life. Forgive me for my sin. Today I choose to live for you. Thank you that I'm saved. Thanks for listening. We hope to see you in church again this weekend. To find out more about our church, find us online at c3churchwatson.com.au.